listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hello, dear ones. I am over the moon and beyond grateful to share this next episode with you where I got to interview one of my herbal teachers. We go deep into clinical pearls from this super experienced powerhouse of a woman who'd like you to take away the following bottom line. The herbs are here to help heal us. They're inexpensive, safe, and easy to use. Sarah Hanna Silverstein is the author of the book Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress, and Find Balance Using Herbal Remedies, which has been number one on Amazon. Her book got accolades from Mayim Bialik, Deepak Chopra, and Christy Brinkley. She's a master herbalist registered through the AHG, classical homeopath, board-certified lactation consultant, wife, keynote speaker, and mother of seven children. She is regularly featured on TV news shows across the U.S. discussing how people can safely integrate alternative medicine with conventional medicine. She's a consultant to many pediatricians, midwives, general doctors, and guest lectures to residents at medical schools. After working with over 45,000 clients for the past 28 years, she saw that most people needed help with their moodiness and created a program that teaches people how to be in control of your moods so they don't control you. So without further ado, let's welcome Sarah Hanna to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today a master herbalist and author, Sarah Hanna. So welcome to the show. Marina, I'm so excited to be here. Looking forward to the interview. Likewise, likewise. And we were just chatting before about how we're both in Brooklyn. And next time we definitely have to do this in person. But I do have a little one right here, in fact. So hopefully she will let us do the recording and everything will be well. So I'm really, really excited because you have so much going on. You've done so much in the lactation breastfeeding space and working with kids and new moms and postpartum and childhood feeding and blood types. I could go on and on and on. And you've written a beautiful book and you're launching an academy. So I'd love to just start off with um, how you got into herbalism, like tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up and how you became a master herbalist in the first place. So there's so many stories. One of my favorites is, <clears throat> excuse me, is I um, was invited through Yale University to go to Oxford University in England. And I was young and just, you know, excited to have the university experience. And I got over to England and I had forgotten to bring my antihistamines. And I was a young girl who had a lot of allergies. I went through the Western, mester, uh, Western medical mode. I had my allergy shots. I was taking my antihistamines daily. And there I was with itchy eyes and a stuffy 
knows. No doctor. This is way before telemedicine. Don't want to age myself. I know it was going to give me a prescription um, in England. So what I did was I went to the local health food store and I had always been fascinated by herbs, but you know, to take that that jump in the sea of herbal medicine was a big one. And I had no choice. They handed me some herbs. And Marina, I felt so much better. I mean, I'm not gonna say that I was instantly cured because that's not how herbal medicine works, but my eyes stopped itching, my nose stopped itching. I stopped sneezing and I was like, what is this? So instead of studying Shakespeare and Chekhov, which I was sent to England to study, I ended up going to the university's library and beginning to learn and understand about botanical medicine. So I was just kind of hooked in right away. And it was fascinating to learn about the roots of a plant and the stalk of a plant and the leaves and the flowers and the seeds and how combined they could have one action and separated have different actions. So it was very, very fascinating to me. Wow, that's so interesting. So it sounds like it began as a self-healing and self-study journey. So how did you become a master herbalist? So what happened was as the years progressed, um, I used a lot of botanicals and one of my children, um, I have seven children. I have two girls and five boys. And one of my children had the worst digestive issues and the worst eczema you've ever seen. Like the skin was falling off his body. It was, it was tragic to see and painful. And of course, at that point I was going to my doctors and they were again, giving antihistamines. You can see the DNA genetic there. Um, they were giving him steroids and he just wasn't getting better. And I really tried the conventional route. I went to so many allergists, so many pediatricians. And finally, I was like, whoa, I have all this, this knowledge on botanical medicine. So I started to treat him naturally. And it took a while, Marina, but his skin started to clear. He could breathe easier. I'm not going to say that as each season passed from winter to spring or from summer to fall that he didn't have some episodes of struggle, but his health got so much better. Then I became an international board certified lactation consultant, did the Western route again. I did 2,500 clinical hours in hospital settings, you know, worked in clinics with lots and lots of new moms and babies. And again, we were taught to use steroids, to use conventional antibiotics. And I had a client with what was called a breast infection, but we really, as wise old women would call it a milk fever. And I said, you know, if she takes an antibiotic, she's going to go down that route and then she, route and she's going to get a yeast infection in her breast. Maybe we could treat this naturally. So she was on board and we use a, we used a grated potato, a potato poultice. We used ice, of course, instead of heat. Heat has been the protocol for breast swelling, but ice is obviously the way to go. We did some herbs and within 24 hours, she got better. So then I became known as the lactation consultant that used complementary botanical medicine. And just people started coming, Rena. People would drive two, three hours to see me because, look, we always have an antibiotic as a backup. Like when I work with pediatrics, I'll always say, go to the doctor, get a diagnosis, and you can definitely have that antibiotic in your house. If you then want to try botanical medicine, you always know the antibiotics there 
or the Tylenol or the Motrin. And people were really excited because I wasn't afraid. And to this day, I'm not afraid or anti-conventional pharmaceutical medicine. I'm just not. The question is, is it the best route to go? And often with pregnant moms, kids, it's not necessarily the best route to go. So they would feel confident, Marina, having the medicine in the house. Then we would try herbal medicine. And I have to say nine out of three quarters, I even want to say 10 out of 10, but that would be a little too high of a bar. But certainly 90 to 98% of kids would get better with botanical herbal medicine. So that's a little bit of my very long journey. That's beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like a very natural and organic progression. So how did this line up with like your personal journey of having seven children? Let's just all pause there and applaud you for that. And having this beautiful career, how did you kind of balance the two? And did your personal life and work with, you know, children and being a mom yourself influence your passion for being a lactation consultant and working with mothers and children? So one of the things I did was a bold move was I rented the apartment next to my apartment in Brooklyn for people that are out there. You basically live in apartments. Very few people have homes. And I was from Los Angeles, California, originally where everybody has homes. So this was a new adjustment, but it took me a long time to convince my landlords, but I took the apartment right next door broke down the wall so that I could have an office and be a stay-at-home working mom, which was very important to me. I really am passionate about botanical medicine. I'm passionate about breastfeeding medicine and pediatrics. And I knew that I had to be home if my child wasn't feeling well and had to miss a day of school, I needed to be here for my child. If my child had an event at school, I knew that if I was my own boss, I'd be able to go to that event. So I took over this apartment. I opened an office. Um, I didn't know at the time if it was going to be successful. And really, thank God, via word of mouth, I just had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients back to back. And it's been like that for close to, well, three decades. It's been a long time. And it's still, thank God, growing, going strong. Yeah, that's wow. I mean, that sounds like an amazing success story for sure. So um, maybe while we're on this topic, share some pearls of wisdom for those people that maybe are wanting to offer a service or study herbalism or, you know, do something outside the conventional or the norm and become their own boss and, you know, have a clinic of some sort. Tell us a little bit about any words of advice you would have. So I think it's really important to become a master in the area. Um, I think the problem now with Instagram, and I do want everyone to follow me on Instagram, I do one minute little videos at Sarah Khanna S um, to help educate people in a very quick way. But I think a lot of people now are going to these weekend seminars and then they feel like they're the expert. And, you know, these really quick online courses, which have their benefit. 
But for me, I mean, I did a five-year classical homeopathic program. I did um, many, many, many hundreds of clinical hours in homeopathy. I went back to school. I became a lactation consultant where we had to do, Marina, 2,500 clinical hours. Then I went back to botanical medicine. I did a three-year program with an herbal master plus clinical hours, many herbal masters. And... When I went into the field, I felt very confident that I knew the material and that I had mentors to go to who were more educated and much more wise than I was at the time. Like I had one or three mentors in homeopathy, one specifically in lactation. I had two mentors and in botanical medicine, I had like five teachers that I loved and was in contact with. So if I came up against a case that was difficult or a condition that was challenging, I had people to discuss with. So I don't feel we get that relationship with these online weekend courses. And I feel that having a mentor and being a student, like I really had to, um, uh, know that the master knew more than I did and become an open vessel to learn. And I feel that in this generation, sadly, we're missing a lot of that. Like people used to be an apprentice, you know, for the people that made shoe, uh, what, what's the shoe horns or, or shoes for the horses. People be, had, you know, apprentices for people that were silversmiths and worked on, you know, all these crafts and we're missing that is what I feel is missing. So I really took that old world wisdom and made sure that I was an apprentice in many different places where I would just sit there and listen and absorb and be a sponge. And, you know, I mean, I have to tell you just an amazing story since we've said that. So I have a little MP3 player with like 150 medical lectures. So even though I've been doing this for three decades, I feel like I don't know enough and I'm still a student. So I had a client that came to me and this little boy had really swollen glands, really, really swollen glands. Like, like it wasn't painful, which was shocking. And he could still run and eat, but you know, he kind of looked very bizarre. He had been to the doctor many times and his bloods were okay. Nobody thought that couldn't figure out what the problem was. And he had been to an acupuncturist who had actually referred him to me. And the mother came in and said, you know, he sleeps and eats, but like, look at him. I mean, he really looked deformed. And I'm sitting there and I'm taking the case and I'm taking the case and I'm thinking and I'm trying to analyze and his bloods didn't have bacteria. It wasn't a virus. He didn't have mono going crazy. And all of a sudden, an old lecture that I had been listened to maybe 10 years before sparked my thought. And I took the light on my phone and I said, can you open your mouth? And the mother said, were you looking at the tonsils? I said, give me a minute. And I saw that this kid had like so many teeth that had broken down. He had teeth decay. He had fillings that had fallen out and his mouth was a disaster. So I said, okay, come look, mom. So 
she's a great mom. But what happened was this was during the lockdown. So the lockdown began in, began in March and she always had her teeth, kids, their teeth clean twice a year, the beginning of the school year, the end of the school year. So March started the lockdown. Then the beginning of the new school year was all online and no, no doctors were really seeing kids unless it was a major emergency. And to make a long story short, what do you do when you have a lot of kids home and they're all learning online? She had eight kids herself. You give them some candy. You give them some lollipops. And the bottom line was this kid had such breakdown of teeth. The mother was so so embarrassed that she hadn't taken care of her kids' teeth. And I said, look, don't even worry about it. Just take him to a dentist. So she went to the dentist. The dentist was like shocked because he had seen the child like a year and a half or a year and three quarters. The kid did not have bad teeth. And the teeth, the kids see them falling apart. Anyways, here's the point of the story. The point of the story was that I was trained to always think outside the box. So I did give him some herbs for the lymphatic system. I did give him some herbs that act similarly to an antibiotic, which he had been on, by the way. And we know when you have abscesses in your teeth and that kind of teeth destruction, you do need an antibiotic, but it doesn't cure the problem. So you get the dental work. So because I wasn't so locked in, Marina, to just finding that herb or that homeopathic remedy, I was able to help cure this child. So that's where I think working with masters um, benefit the practitioner because you learn to really think outside the box. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I love the example that you brought up to just showcase that you're not against pharmaceuticals, you're not locked into herbs, you're creative outside the, the box thinking, but you also pay attention to your mentors and masters. And also this gives you the insight into why working one-on-one -on -one and in person is still so important that we kind of were chatting about before too. And that's kind of lost nowadays, right? Like the art of the one-to-one -one presence. And it's a blessing and a curse that we're able to do remote viewings and things like that. But it's not the same. It's not exactly the same energy, although it's still energy, but um, there is something special to the in-person connection, I feel. And so you mentioned, you know, that you're an open vessel. You never feel like you know enough, but then you also feel pretty confident because you've already undergone such extensive training. So how do you find the balance between, you know, not being stuck in analysis paralysis, like I, I will never know enough, I can't, you know, work with people and with clients, and I'm not ready, versus like, I'm confident, but I'm still an open vessel to learn more? Well, one of the benefits to my practice is that I spend an hour and a half with a person, like my consults are an hour and a half. So when you have that kind of time with a person, things unfold and become very apparent before your eyes. So one of the problems that doctors have, and I have had many doctors shadow me, is that they get seven minutes. And I want to let you know that one of my daughter-in-laws is in medical school. My son's in medical school. So I understand the burden and the stresses that doctors have. But when you have seven minutes to meet a new patient, excuse me, diagnose, treat, call or write up a pharmaceutical prescription and write your notes in the computer, it's almost impossible to get the person. So I'm taking an hour, you know, 
just listening and observing and the body language is important and the way they they move their body when they're speaking um, really makes a very big impact on understanding and diagnosing and having the confidence to treat. So I'm going to jump in with another story very quickly. So a lot of herbalists and practitioners will have you fill out papers before you get to them. So I don't do that because I want to see and hear the reactions. So it turned out that a woman came to me because her menstrual cycles were all over the place. She would have a period 12 days later, then 15 days later, 18 days, and her menstruation would last for a very, very long time. And she didn't know what to do, so she came to me for herbal medicine. So I'm taking the case, Marina, I'm taking the case and I'm listening. And at one point she had like tears in her eyes and I didn't feel she had the um, relationship with me yet to get into it. So I'm asking more questions and, you know, the barriers are breaking down and the person also has to decide Marina, if they like me, if, besides me trying to understand them, they have to decide if they feel confident with me. So finally at the end of the hour, I said, you know, I have a question. You had tears in your eyes when you said, blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, it's no big deal, Sarahana. I said, I, I know, like, like, humor me for a minute. You know, I'm an herbalist and a homeopath. Like, let's just go there for a minute. She goes, ah, it's really nothing. I'm like, you know, herbalists and homeopaths love the nothing. That's really, you know, it's kind of like Seinfeld. What's a show about nothing? And it was a huge success. So I'm kind of like that, too. It's the nothing that I really like. So she starts crying. What happened was. Her husband is a young guy, like 16, 17 into 18, had testacular cancer and it was cured. He went through chemo. He did everything. One test, he was still functioning, but his family was like, we don't discuss it. We we don't discuss it. That It's something you don't, oh, 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 you don't discuss it. You don't discuss it. It's been cured. And so she had two kids at this time. And I looked at her and I said, well, having two kids with a husband is you can handle. And if something, God forbid, happened to him, like his cancer reappeared, having three kids would be almost impossible for you. And she started sobbing. She said, Sarahana, it's such a fear because we never discuss it. So it was subconsciously the best to constantly be having her period and bleeding because she wasn't going to be getting pregnant with these kind of erratic periods. So our work was not only giving her herbs for her cycle. Our work was to bring her husband on board. Our work was to have the husband acknowledge the fact that, thank God it was gone, but what's he doing from preventing a reoccurrence? Is he exercising? Is he eating well? Is he going for regular scans? And Marina, once we fix the problem, which was allowing her to talk about it, express what's going on with her, having her husband confront the reality that although we never want it to come back, it is a reality. And what's he doing in the realm of preventative? Her periods became normal.
and normalized. So this is an example where, of course, I gave her botanical medicine for sure. But if I didn't hear where it was really coming from, but I also gave her herbs for sadness and grief, because that's a very important part of this case. And that's exactly Got to just plug my book for a minute where my book Mootopia comes in. My book Mootopia is for herbs, for emotional struggles that we go through. You don't have to. This is not for people that, that are on Prozac and Clonopin, but they can also read this because it will help them because they can integrate herbal medicine. But for people that are not to the point that need psychotropic drugs, like if this girl went to a psychiatrist, there's not a medicine to prescribe her. Even if you worked with her as a pharmacist, there's, there's not a, there's not a pharmaceutical. There is an herb like skullcap for anxiety. One of my favorite herbs there is a time in this case for the herb rose, which helps with a broken heart. And I did give those herbs plus a couple other. But the the real, the essence of the problem, the roots of the problem, where we needed to get was her communication with her husband, her husband doing preventative care, and her being able to articulate and speak about it. And that's what it were in Herbalist Shines, because we take that kind of time. We're detectives. We get to the bottom. We want to get to the root of the problem. And that's just an amazing story as an example. Well, I am loving the stories that you're sharing, and it's really pointing out, like you said, that there is a root to the problem, and it's often subconscious. And even if you have all the knowledge, it is an additional skill to have, you know, to build a relationship and connection and to hear or invite somebody to share their story so that we can we can relate to them. That's how we relate to each other with, through our stories. So there's more to it than just, you know, the biological root cause. And I think fun functional medicine is um, very focused on root causes. And they also recognize that there is more than just the physiology. There's more than just the biochemistry, but our emotions and our inner world is actually what rules over the biochemistry in a big way, but it's all subconscious. So we don't really get the connection as easily as like, okay, this plan does this, this drug does that. So I'm loving how you're interweaving this in your work. And you did also mention homeopathy. So I learned about your work first. I think I heard you at an AHG conference and you were talking about homeopathy. And I was really, really intrigued because you were saying that it is really important to get to know the person that has these symptoms or a diagnosis because the person that we're dealing with is going to inform how we deal with the diagnosis. It's, it's not as simple and cut and dry as this is the diagnosis, this is the symptom. You also have to really understand the person who's presenting with these things, which is what you've been describing. So can you talk about how you were able to marry homeopathy and herbalism? I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was going to give a story um, or a lesson that I learned from Samuel Hahnemann's work, who was the founder of homeopathy. 
And one of the important things when you're taking a case, he discusses is understanding the actual tissue damage that has happened in the body. So I have a lot of other practitioners who believe so deeply, it's all from the mind, it's all from the mind, it's all from the mind. If you fix the mind, you can fix the body. But Samuel Hahnemann says that's not always the case. If there's been degeneration of the tissue, like someone that's had rheumatoid arthritis for a very long period of time, you're not going to cure that just by understanding that this man had a problem with his mother and needs to go back and repair the cover, the relationship, even though she's already been buried. So I, I want people to take away from this. I'm so glad you brought it up is that as a homeopath, we're looking at the case and understanding, can we cure this or is this not able to be cured? And rheumatoid arthritis that's been in the system for over 10 years and done destruction to the knuckles and the joints, it's not going to be cured. Are we palliating it? Palliate means to just try to relieve the symptoms, relieve the symptoms. Or are we trying to make sure that this disease doesn't progress? So you have to have a real deep, honest understanding of what you can offer the client in front of you. And that, again, going back to people that just do these weekend seminars, they don't understand and can make false promises like this essential oil is going to cure you. No, this essential oil can help in your healing journey. It's not going to cure you. Well, this herb is going to take everything away. I don't know. You know, if you've been constipated for 15 years, we have to get the peristaltic movement of the intestines to start functioning again. This is not going to happen in two or three months. It can take 12 months of proper eating, using herbs, using homeopathy to stimulate. So that's very important. And your real question was, how do you integrate homeopathy with herbs? So it's, of course, a whole nother podcast, of course, but the quick answer is that I believe that herbs do work on the tissue. You have a sinus infection. It will reduce inflammation and thin the fluid. If you have chronic urinary tract infections, you can have herbs that make sure that the foods and the fluids the person takes in are more alkaline and less acidic, for sure homeopathy shifts the energy of the person. So if you have a child that's having nightmares, for instance, what's what's going to happen is this child has a, or let's just say seeing things at night, because nightmares are another thing. They're, they're seeing things when they, when they see the movement of the trees, the light through the window, they have fears of ghosts or other things. So to them, it's very, very, very real. And so just intellectualizing, it's not there. We looked under the bed. We looked in the closet is not necessarily going to shift the fear of the child, but that's where homeopathy comes in because homeopathy can shift the energy that gets stuck in the body. Oh, homeopathy is so complex. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot of confusion. Some people use the terms interchangeably. They're like, when they hear I'm an herbalist, they automatically say, oh yeah, homeopathy, right? Right. So they're two different things. And so I wanted to kind of hone in on what's the, so you, you kind of describe the difference and then now how do we use them together? Is there any contraindications where we wouldn't want to use them together or do you see them work really well together? So I don't have a homeopathic remedy on my counter here in front of us. So herbs come in either tea form. Here, I just have some herbs in tea form um, or capsule form or tincture. Here's a tincture. I tend to be a tincture gal and I use herbs that have been infused in either grain alcohol or glycerite. And so this is how I use my herbs. And for those of you that are just listening, herb in tincture is in liquid form. Homeopathy are little ballies or pellets that you put under the tongue and they dissolve sublingually. So I don't feel there's a contradiction at all. I don't feel at all. Um, I feel sometimes we need herbs to help increase the oxytocin or the serotonin or dopamine in a person and make them just really have that available to them, their hormones and the chemicals inside their bodies. And herbs can open up those channels and allow a person to be able to integrate more of those feel-good hormones in their lives. Homeopathy, again, shifts fears or delusions or misunderstandings about relationships or incidents. So sometimes we read a story as a seven-year-old child and that becomes our reality. When in reality, as a 30-year-old, that's no longer the truth. And maybe you you didn't see it in the correct way. Or you misinterpreted it. Um, I mean, it was real to you in the moment, but do you need that energy in your body still as a 30 year old trying to, you know, get a new relationship with someone. So homeopathy can shift that um, delusion or wrong decision so that you can feel better and the herbs can work in a more symbiotic relationship with your body. I love that. And it sounds very similar to flower essence therapy. So do you use that at all? Um, I love Bach flowers. Um, as a classical homeopath, I've just got, you know, there are over 3,500 homeopathic remedies. So I really have that available to me. Um, so between the hundreds and hundreds of herbs in my office and literally thousands of remedies, I really feel I have enough tools, but I do love and respect flower essences. Love it. So tell us a little bit about how a person who starts taking herbs or homeopathic remedies, right? Um, can we expect any cures? A lot of people ask me, you know, do you have to take herbs forever, right? Because drugs, we know if somebody's on a chronic condition and taking a drug for a chronic condition, my answer is, you know, you you probably will have to stay on that unless, you know, the underlying root cause is eventually resolved. So what's kind of your take on do people need to take homeopathy or herbs for a long period of time? Is it individual? Can you talk a little bit about that? That's a great question. Um, so 
It depends on the tissue degeneration, which we discussed, how long the illness has been in the body, and what kind of damage has happened in, to the structure of the human body. So that's a very important thing to take into consideration. So if someone's had a condition for 48 hours, a kid didn't have an ear infection on a Tuesday, had one on a Thursday, I want it gone by a Saturday or Sunday. You know, if a kid had a, gets a sty in their eye, they didn't have one on a Monday, they have it on a Wednesday. I want it gone within 48 to 72 hours. So when we have acute things, acute means didn't have it yesterday, have it today, then herbs and homeopathy work very quickly in the body because our body is naturally a self-healing mechanism and they're going to get a cure and they're going to get a resolution very, very quickly. If someone's had chronic sinus infections for 10 years, you have to give the herbs minimally sometimes three to four months to even begin to see um, them beginning to work in collaboration with the body. And it could take 12 months of taking an herb to clear the sinuses, reduce the inflammation and allowing the mucus to move and pass by quickly. So each case, as we discussed in the beginning, is individual. But can you cure Yes, you can cure certain things with herbs, not cancer, not cancer. So one of my teachers who is an MD, also an herbalist, said, you need to know very clearly what you can and cannot do. Now, as we're speaking, it could change tomorrow. Herbalists do not, and I repeat, do not have magical herbs to cure cancer. When I have a cancer patient, what I can do is help support them while they're going through the illness. If they choose chemotherapy to support them so they don't have as many side effects. So there's a condition, an example that we can't cure, but we can definitely alleviate symptoms. So that's why going back to what we discussed earlier, knowing the real case knowing the condition. So as an herbalist, and I'm sure Marina, you are agree, I know, uh, like try to know all the diseases that are out there. I'm constantly reading medical books, medical journals, knowing all the pharmaceuticals, which are popping up all the time. And as an herbalist, I want to know the action of the pharmaceutical. Does it match the action of the plant? Does it conflict with the action of the plant and the pharmaceutical? And the same thing is knowing the diseases. If I have a client that comes in and it's a disease that I have not worked with a lot in the past, I'm reading up about the disease. I'm learning about the disease. Before the client comes through the door, I have maybe called people, listened to workshops, listened to other doctors about that disease so that I can understand it with my intellect and then find a homeopathic remedy and or an herb that will help the body rebalance itself with that disease. Yeah, I think you said it beautifully that where herbs shine is supporting the terrain with its own self-healing mechanisms. I think that's the real beauty here. So I would also love to know what you're up to now, Sarahana. So it's really you're a hero in my eyes for having, you know, seven kids and this beautiful career and supporting so many disease states and having all the tools and keeping up to date. But you're also been teaching your community. I've been to a couple of your lectures and tell us a little bit about your upcoming projects, your academy and your social media work. 
Thank you so much for asking. So again, on Instagram, I try to make little one minute videos because our attention span is not what it used to be. And they just kind of introduce you and give you an understanding of the plants and the plant medicine and that Sarahana S. Um, and I'm just launching Mootopia Academy, which is very exciting for me because a lot of, because my, my, my work and my practice is so busy that I can occasionally do a podcast, occasionally do a live lecture, occasionally do a workshop. So what's it's going to entail is it's going to have monthly Zoom workshops so I can work with my clients um, and my students that have moved all over the world. And we're going to pick a topic every month and really explore it in an in-depth but easy to understand way. Um, we're going to be having um, different articles that are relevant to the time, like you need different herbs in the spring than you do in the winter. You need different herbs in the winter than you do in the fall. So we're going to start integrating, understanding the environment and how it changes and how um, the botanical medicines that we are taking should change as the seasons change. So Mootopia Academy is... Um, going to be available on my website. Um, hopefully it's available when this podcast is launching. And when you join the Academy, you'll be part of a network of professionals and lay people. Like I have a lot of moms, Marina, they just want to learn herbal medicine for their kids. So you don't have to be an herbalist or even have a desire to be an herbalist. I just had a workshop last month called adding solids for kids. And there's so much misinformation that you do not need to be a professional herbalist or a pharmacist. You just need to be a mom. Then in the winter, I had winter colds and flus just for moms and caregivers. So my workshops have the depth and they're not fluffy because we really get into the depths of it. And they also are really easy to integrate. So this is an exciting thing. And being a part of the um, Utopia Academy, you can meet other women and caregivers that are also like-minded. You know, we have a lot of WhatsApp groups these days, but you never know on the WhatsApp group answers. And I love them. Is this person a professional? Do they know what they're saying? Like, you know, someone will say, my kid just got burnt with boiling water and they go to their WhatsApp group and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That is not the place to be asking questions. You need to call 911 and get someone over to your house. So we're having, you know, this ability to communicate has good sides and not good sides. So what I'm hoping is that just like I had mentors and I became an apprentice, my goal with Mutopia Academy is that people can become my apprentices on whatever level they want. And again, they'll always know that if I don't know the answer, I'm going to go to my mentor. So I think it'll be a really good network for people to become part of. Wow. I am loving the topics that we covered today about mentorship and apprenticeship. That is so exciting to have that level of support at your fingertips. And I can attest to your workshops being really interesting and really diving into the root also of like the social construct of why we do certain things and kind of getting us to understand that something is common sense, something is not logical, and something is just historical versus what actually makes sense to do. Um, so I really, really appreciate that. And I think that's an important barrier to break down for people. And the network, especially of like moms and 
women taking back, you know, the control and the reins and empowering themselves with the ability to take care of themselves and their family, becoming essentially like the matriarch of their family. I'm really all about that concept. So I think it's going to be a really great journey with you as a mentor. So I want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy and precious schedule to be here with us. And if you just have one more minute, I would love to do a rapid fire round with you. Sure. And I want to say it's such a pleasure to have this talk with you and your child. I love the little cooing sounds of the, and the noise in the background. And that's really an honor to also be with your child during this podcast. Yeah, I guess it's only fitting that, you know, <laughs> the child would join us today for our talk. Uh, but anyway, so question number one, what's your number one advice for people to improve their quality of life right now? Don't get caught up in the social media banter um, and the fads and a lot of misinformation that's out there. I think that's very important. And again, I think getting wise knowledge. I always say that when people work with me, I'm bringing ancient wisdom to the modern person. So we want to go backwards and bring in that knowledge and then use our technology and our insight. So I think integrating old wisdom with new wisdom in a very deep way is important. Yeah, excellent answer. So question number two, what's something surprising that people don't know about you? Um, um, that as a child growing up, I was a childhood actress and did a lot of movies and television um, from the age of five to almost 18. I did a lot of TV shows and movies. Look at your surprise look. Yeah. And commercials. My mother was a stage mom and it was really a fun, dynamic experience. Wow. So you must be right in your element on the Instagram channel then. <laughs> Or taking what I learned in my past. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and your channel is great. I follow you and I recommend everybody tune in. So question number three, what's your favorite hobby or something you do for fun? Well, I love Pilates on a reformer. I can't say it's always fun, but I just feel so much better and more centered after I do Pilates. So that's high up there on my list. Yeah, for sure. I'm a fan as well. Um, so last couple of questions. What is your favorite meal to either cook or enjoy? I mean, I'm from LA and I'm a beans, rice and salad girl. So beans are just the foundation. And when you eat, which we're going to have a discussion of in the future, when you eat the beans that are right for your blood type, you will not get gassy. And just beans are just give me more energy than almost any other food on the planet. Wow, amazing. So last question, um, how can people support your work, learn more about Utopia Academy and get their hands on your book? Thank you so much. So Moodtopia, flash of the cover again, is available on Amazon and all over the internet. And they can um, meet me and sign up at sarahana.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A. 
And if you forget that, uh, my website is also moodtopiabook.com. And you can just Google Sarakana Silverstein and I pop right up there. There's not many people with that name. So, and I look forward to meeting everyone out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this interview. My baby wants her time in the limelight. She just like really wanted to get up here. Um, I'll have all those links in the show notes and it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you, Marina. It was wonderful. All the best. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.